The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jagan. Presenting Season 9, Avalanche. Reply Hazy, Try Again. Written by Veronica Jaguer and Mercedes Mackey. The medicine craft rocked back and forth as it dove beneath the cloud cover that gave the Atlanta suburbs their perpetual pale gray skies. The airspace surrounding the metropolis had no sign of the gleaming battlespheres favored by the Thulians. Instead, the destruction corridors cut clear swaths of misery through the I-285 conduit that ringed the city. The circle broken, the population limped along between alien assaults that continued to cripple a city too stubborn to not rebuild. Trina navigated the ever-busy skies surrounding the airport, her attention focused on the flight path rather than her remaining passengers. The three dozen citizens of Metis who had joined Ramona and Mercury on the escape ship had listened to Vicky's detailed instructions regarding the various Peruvian embassies. Given the proximity of the Earthside site to the picturesque South American country, it had made perfect sense for the medicines to claim Peruvian citizenship. Passports and a few well-placed calls to others able to manage the situation with the utmost discretion had placed the refugees in several countries, and now the only remaining medicine brought the ship to land in a relatively deserted area marked by aging train tracks. Trina sagged against the controls, her orchid hair limp against her forehead and cheeks. She wiped the back of her hand across her mouth and danced shaking fingers over the holographic display. The view screen blinked to show the rest of the landscape, a few broken trees and some woefully neglected shrubbery. A Marta sign lay in the distance, the metal pocked and warped. Graffiti decorated some of the larger walls, and Ramona recognized a few crude representations of burning Kriegers and cracked spheres. A warning or maybe an affirmation that meant the people here wouldn't go down without a fight, and they knew that their attackers had not won the war. These are the coordinates that Dictrix sent? Ramona asked, careful to conceal concern or accusation from her voice. The little medicine woman had done so much already, and she worried that Trina might not make it to the closest consulate for her own needs. She forced a smile to her face. It seems pretty out of the way. Mercury didn't hide his emotions so easily. It couldn't have been easy, managing two consciousnesses while running for one's life from the destruction of the most advanced civilization that any of them had ever seen. Ramona knew that the only reason she had managed to keep hold of her own sanity was her brief yet memorable experience of mind-writing with Nikola Tesla when they invoked the Echo Charter. The fussy scientist had spent several hours wondering when he would be able to leave, whether or not he could trust Ramona to keep him safe without the techno-shaman's prowess, and if residing in the consciousness of a woman would have any ill effects on his own personality. Rather than argue any of those fits of irrationality, 
she had simply summoned the memory of Alex Tesla. A walk-in refrigerator, a strong right hook, and a bag of tater tots. The resulting quiet had provided her time to think about what had happened at Metis, as well as go through the reports that she could access via Overwatch. It wasn't pleasure reading, but Ramona needed to know where they stood and what would happen next, even if she couldn't be there with the rest of the Echo Corps. The handsome speedster sat cross-legged in the center of the floor, his eyes wide as he stared out the viewport, his lips moving in silent speech. Long scratches covered his exposed skin, metahuman metabolism already having healed the smallest of cuts and scrapes. His upturned hands trembled atop his knees. Ramona guessed that Marconi had not found any measure of peace in sharing headspace, and that the soundless words came courtesy of an hours-long conversation between the host and the hastily invited guest. Mercury? He didn't respond to his call sign. She repeated his name, but he remained transfixed on the wide window that overlooked the forgotten Marta station. Perhaps his civilian name would do it. Rick? Hey, Rick. We landed. It's time to head out. Want a hand up? She extended a metal-scarred hand to him, palm up. Rick Poitier looked at it, seeming to study the seams where metal met flesh. His gaze traveled up her wrist and arm, finally meeting her face. She smiled, and he swallowed hard. We ran. Ran away. We ran away from the rest of them, Ramona. Guilt. Oh, this was something with which she was all too familiar. Ramona crouched down, one knee against the floor, and her fingers lightly brushing the fabric over his calf. We did what Victrix told us to do. We got Mistress Marconi and Tesla out safely, and we made it back. We ran because those were the orders that we got. But we ran, he repeated. His body began to shake, and Ramona shifted to kneel behind him. She wrapped her arms around the speedster, knowing that her newfound mass and strength would be able to withstand the veritable buzz of his tremors. Given all that had happened, it would be ridiculous to think that they would avoid some kind of shock or trauma. They're safe because we ran, Ramona reassured him. She glanced up at Trina, who had slid to the floor and now sat with her knees drawn to her chest. She's safe because we ran. All of those people who got placed, they're safe because we ran. But not everyone got out. You never saw the whole city. The laboratories, the museums, the oratoriums. The young woman's eyes filled with tears and she dropped her forehead to rest against her knees. Her pristine white jumpsuit had rips streaked with blood and soot, and tears soon wet the stained fabric. 
Ramona waited for another outburst, but Trina didn't have the energy to do more than weep. Stretching an arm out, she motioned for the much smaller pilot to join them. Trina fell into a grateful heap against her shoulder and sobbed into the nano-weave. I am not the voice of solace. Snark and sarcasm, sure, but I am not the sensitive type. Ramona shifted to accommodate both of her charges and tried to think of what Bella would do in this kind of situation. As she struggled to find the right words, she felt the other consciousness study itself in something she could best describe as resolve. There are times when escape is the wisest course of action. Tesla's crisp tone echoed in the space between her eyes, as if their conversation was a bit too close for comfort. She didn't think that anyone else would be able to hear him and opened her mouth to say as much, but Marconi's lilting tone answered her as if he sat next to Mercury. True, true. When the resources no longer exist, staying for one's pride becomes an exercise in foolishness. Signorina Ferrari is, again, correct in her assessment. Although Ramona could no longer see the man's blue-frame countenance, she could imagine the genteel incline of his head toward her. Curiosity got the better of her. Victrix, I can hear them both. Can you? The mage's voice croaked a reply. I can. Anyone else on Overwatch can, but it will go through your frequency since we can't put a sub-vocal device on them. A pause. Something that Ramona figured to be a yawn. I could try to make something happen. Um, perhaps... No. You've done more than enough, Vic. Get some rest. Have Bella spell you for a few hours. Ramona glanced to Trina. The poor thing had fallen asleep against her shoulder, tears still wet on her cheeks. Any objection to our pilot staying with us for a while to rest? We've got a good parking spot. No objection. Maps are accessible in your heads up. Make sure that she leaves in 12 hours. The consulate is expecting her by the end of the day. If she's not there, they'll start asking questions, and I'm running out of answers. Oh, and ask her to get me a stash of those medicine memory tiles. I'll see if I can replicate them somehow to give the odd couple a new home. Have her leave them in the bunker. Ramona bobbed her head, an instinctive reaction. All right. I know you can find us if we head off the map, so we'll keep it quiet. She patted Mercury on the shoulder and placed a hand on his elbow. Come on. Time to move so we can get some rest. You're coming too, she said to Trina. No one's staying behind. It took her a bit more effort than she expected, but she managed to coax them both to a standing position and convinced Trina that a cloaked medicine saucer would not be found in the wilds of East Lake. With the map and passcodes in her heads-up display, Ramona led them down a small path and toward an access tunnel marked for a train line that was never built. 
long before the Thulians had arrived by overnight express all over the world, Echo had prepared for a time when its metahumans and civilian operatives might need to find shelter away from its headquarters. Ramona led the pair between two concrete viaducts that had carried the trains on the east-west route. She shuddered as pinpricks of metal rose up over her skin. Summoning the courage to take the subway would take a while, and just looking at the tracks made her queasy. She lowered her head and tightened her grip, eyes focused on the ground. The HUD showed her the way, taking them down a strip of metal and concrete that ended at a rusted metal door. The overlay flickered to superimpose a keypad in a red outline at eye level. Next to it, an E etched in the metal and bounded by a square caught the edges of the light. Ramona wrinkled her nose and waited for the HUD to give her an answer. Instead, the answer came from next to her. Try 271828. Mercury flicked a finger toward the scratched E. If it's asking you for a code, try that. Stunned, Ramona entered in the numbers. The grid went from red to yellow, but the door didn't open. I don't think it worked. I still see the entry. If you can still see it, that's a good thing. He screwed his eyes shut, forehead furrowed in concentration. Next is 108109. She had no idea where he was getting these numbers, but she jabbed at the air against the holographic keypad. Yellow became green, but the door didn't open. I don't think it's opening. Two more, he answered. Uh, type in... Six six two six one zero three four. The keypad glowed blue. And now? Mercury managed to smile at her in spite of his exhaustion. Zero. Ramona sensed a strange surge of approval from the other consciousness as she jabbed the bottom of the hologram. The grid disappeared and concrete blocks to the left of the door shifted, just enough to reveal a dimly lit hallway. Ramona sighed with relief and shifted her arm around Trina's waist. That's a hell of a code. He shrugged. Physics. She didn't know what to make of that, but she didn't have the energy to ask. With the promise of shelter and a few hours' sleep, Ramona decided that questions could wait for later. Trina took off after eight hours of sleep and a protein bar. She assured Ramona that she would be able to find the Peruvian embassy and make contact with the appropriate people. She asked several times if the other two wanted to come with her somewhere safe, but Ramona maintained that she and Mercury needed to stay put, per standing orders. Trina had offered them both tearful goodbyes, and then it was just the two of them in the secure bunker. Two plus two, Ramona thought, as Tesla's jumbled emotions rattled around between her own concerns and considerations. She stretched out on a cot 
and laced her fingers behind her head. If she relaxed herself physically, maybe that would get the fussy scientist to stop pacing through her brain space. You're safe, sir. You too, Mr. Marconi. Neither of us are going anywhere until we get official word from Echo. But they could come back. Mercury held his head in both hands, fingertips massaging his temples. With time to rest, the two consciousnesses had not stopped in their concern regarding their futures. Ramona had tuned them out, but Mercury hadn't managed that much. They destroyed Midas. They could find us no problem. Your young bull makes an excellent point, Marconi chimed in via her overwatch rig. We underestimated them, and they have reduced a shining beacon of scientific innovation to a mound of ash. What is to keep them from doing the same wherever we go? More importantly, what will keep them from finding either of you? Tesla's voice grated on her nerves. She did not need a cantankerous academic echoing her own self-doubts. If you succumb to them, we are lost. Every moment we remain with the pair of you, we risk death or possible absorption into your own selves. She made a face, doing her best to project frustration at Tesla's consciousness. Miss Victrix is a well-trained techno-shaman who has taken every precaution thus far to ensure your safety. I'm pretty sure that she's not going to move you until she's certain there is a secure location for all of your blue wireframe antics. She chuckled as she felt Tesla's annoyance ripple over her own thoughts. For now, we are sticking to Echo Protocol and remaining here. Mercury sagged a little, his head swaying from side to side. For how long? For as long as necessary. Eyes closed, she wiggled free of her shoes and pointed her toes. At the very least, we stay here until the higher-ups find a solution. Take a nap, enjoy the quiet. All we can do is wait. Ramona let out an enormous yawn that ended with a satisfying crack. She had every intent to take her own advice and tune out Mr. Tesla's worried murmuring. For a few minutes, she enjoyed the silence in the stone bunker. The air had a cool, damp quality that lent itself to a good snooze, and her body had yet to fully recover from the battle in Metis. She inhaled deeply, and felt her muscles start to sag against the reinforced mesh of the cot. Something crashed into a wall, and Marconi yelped in a very undignified manner. She cracked open an eye to see Mercury with his fist in the center of a small impact crater in the concrete. Blood trickled over his knuckles, his teeth clenched in frustration. The speedster had not otherwise moved from his cross-legged seat. He glared at her, his nostrils flaring with each breath. No. I'm done waiting. 
I've been waiting on Echo for too long, and I'm not going to wait here while somebody with a computer and a fancy title decides when it's good enough for me to leave. Ramona sighed and swung her legs around. She could feel the chill concrete through her socks. Rick, come over and sit with me. It's Echo issue. I think it'll hold the both of us. He narrowed his eyes, fist still locked against the wall. Blood mingled with the rest of the stains on his dirty gray pants. He forced the words out through clenched teeth. If I get up from here, I'm walking out that door, Ramona. I'm not staying in another box, especially if I have to listen to some scared old man muttering in my ear day and night. I'm tired of waiting. She pinched the bridge of her nose. If Rick was looking for some measure of coddling or sympathy, they should have kept Trina for a little while longer. That makes two of us. I'm pretty sure that punching walls and making empty threats isn't going to hurry things up, though. Most of the strategists and decision-makers were there in Midas. They fought alongside the medicines, worked to evacuate them to Earth, and gave everything they could to try and take down the Thulians. So why aren't we with them? Because we're the temporary hosts for the two most important entities rescued from Metis. That scared old man who keeps muttering in your ear, and the fussy perfectionist who keeps grumbling at me, might be the difference in us beating back the Thulians when they decide to try and finish what they started. She leaned forward her voice only a few decibels short of a full-fledged yell. Because the rest of them trust us to keep them safe for as long as possible, until they're certain they have a better solution for them. And deep down, you know that. Mercury's arm trembled, and bits of concrete flaked to the floor. He struggled to maintain the grimace, but Ramona could see his shoulders droop and his elbow start to bend. The fist slid down to rest against the floor, fingers partly uncurled. But how much longer? I don't know. He sighed and glanced at the bloody mess of his left hand. Long enough to get this bandaged up, I bet. Guess I should find a first aid kit or something. Second shelf next to the sink. That concrete's twelve inches thick, so it'll take a few more hits if you're so inclined. Ramona stretched herself back onto the cot once she heard the metal clack of latches and the crinkle of sterile plastic wrapping. She didn't like waiting any more than Rick did, but she did trust Bella, Pride, and Victrix to come up with a solution to their temporary housing problem. She hoped it would be soon. If there was one thing that she had learned... It was that scientists made terrible roommates. The speedster shuffled up to her, gauze in one hand and a bottle of peroxide in another. Help? Maybe? I promise not to punch another wall. That made her laugh. She patted the cot and took the peroxide from him. Sure, but... You have to tell me how you remembered a code like that to get in. Uh, not that it wasn't amazing, but 
I expected to have to get Vicky to override it. He shrugged. Well, the first number gave it away. It had to be the natural log of one, the square root of that, or the square. After that, it was easy. Ramona boggled at him. Easy? How? Well, natural log of one is, speed of light is, Planck's constant is, and zero. A slow smile spread across his face. <laughs> Nerds speak for echo, you know? She didn't, but Tesla's thoughts flickered through her own, and she could see a hastily scribbled blackboard with letters and numbers ascribed to them. E-C-H-0. Realization combined with wonder, and she choked out a laugh as she started wrapping Rick's knuckles in gauze. And that was easy? Well, for a track-obsessed physics geek, sure. His shoulders came up to his ears, and Ramona could see the shadow of an awkward teenager fascinated by mathematics and science. His expression sobered. You really think that Victrix is going to figure out how to undo this? All of it? Ramona considered lying with something along the lines of, absolutely, there's nothing to worry about. But they all deserved better. I hope so, she said. I trust her to find the best solution, even if we don't have all of the answers yet. She'll figure out something. Soon? Soon was relative. Yeah, she sighed. Soon. Soon stretched past two days, during which Ramona occupied herself with a methodical inventory of the bunker, a few long naps, and regular conversations via Overwatch with the rest of the Echo seniority. Consequences had already started to ripple through major governments and affiliated metahuman organizations. Bella had her hands full with coordinating efforts at home, and tapped into Yankee Pride's connections to make sure that everyone shared the most recent information. Chatter from the Russian contingent filled her ears if she tuned into the CCCP frequency but they provided the most up-to-date information on what was going on in her backyard. Marconi had a better handle on the language than they did, so he provided a rapid translation of the more technical terminology. While she felt bad about the constant eavesdropping, Ramona couldn't bear to be kept in the dark. Ignorance wasn't bliss at a time like this. A long nap improved Mercury's disposition, to the point where he helped Ramona with some of the inventory. The assistance waned as Tesla distracted him with conversations about theoretical physics and the possible extensions of metahuman abilities as they pertained to speed and motion. By the end of the first day, Merck chattered happily with the fussy scientific genius about the particulars of quantum mechanics while pressing himself up into yet another handstand. Ramona forced the small of her back against the concrete wall and sighed. Another flare-up in one of the destruction corridors had sent the Overwatch channels into action. She thought about tuning in, 
but she felt Marconi's consciousness nudge her attention toward Mercury and away from the chatter. She gave in, a subvocal command shifting critical alerts to a corner of her retinal display. If something came up, she would know. A signorina, why not take advantage of the time that you have? The grandfatherly tone chuckled. There are so few quiet moments to be shared. She snorted. <laughs> right. Because making out with my boyfriend while we're chaperoned by two uncles is exactly how I envisioned this happening. She felt the shocked amusement and muffled laughter immediately. I'll wait for a little more privacy, Signor Marconi. But I appreciate your concern. Noted. And uh, he and Nicola seem to be enjoying each other's company. I had figured your young gentleman to be of above-average intelligence, but I would never have guessed that he would be at such a level to entertain my old friend. The consciousness gave a sigh of content, something that manifested as a sleepy warmth spreading over her body. It is a good thing, truly. Hmm. While Ramona wanted to ask more, she couldn't help but find Marconi's satisfaction a soothing balm of sorts. She felt herself relaxing into the sensation, then stopped. It took a conscious thought to pull herself away from the emotion and stand outside of it. Signorina. Ramona shook her head and activated her Overwatch connection. The secure line put her in direct contact with Vicky, who had her hands full with directing echo resources for cleanup. Still working on a solution, but these guys are pretty pissed after everything that happened. You need to revise that inventory you sent me? Negative. Ramona shifted so that Mercury couldn't see her lips moving. I don't think they mean it, but our tenants might be getting a bit too cozy in our brain spaces. There's stuff I'm starting to feel and anticipate that I shouldn't. Vicky's tone stayed professional and clinical, something that told Ramona that they were in more trouble than she had initially thought. Finishing sentences or coming up with words that aren't your own? Do you think you've lost control of your hands and feet? Is Mr. Tesla having you do the chicken dance and you can't help yourself? Uh, chicken dance? Amusement colored the older man's indignation. Not quite, but sometimes what he's feeling or saying is more comfortable than what I might have done in the first place, and it's hard to separate. Now Ramona felt the twinge of concern paired with apology and a hint of embarrassment. She swallowed hard. Is that normal, given the situation? Uh, normal, sort of. Good, not really. So, really not good, Ramona repeated. I don't know, Marconi mused. Is uh, this chicken a dance something like a poultry polka? Ramona groaned. Look, here's my problem. The odd couple needs a lot, and I mean a lot, of memory space. 
something I can't replicate with the resources at my disposal. My calculations are it would take a building about the size of Atlanta to hold all the chips. Whatever the medicines use for memory storage doesn't work anything like we have. Vicky paused. And we don't have near enough of those memory tiles of theirs free to rebuild something. And even if we did, that just makes them a target all over again. I could put them in a human with diminished mental capacity, but that would just mean they would have diminished mental capacity. Is there a point in there? Ramona snapped. Vicky snapped right back. I'm getting there. I'm explaining for the benefit of the brain trust in case they can think of something. And doing a lovely job, Signorina Victrix, Marconi added. Uh, please, uh, continue. I'm sure that Niccolo would appreciate hearing more as well. Sorry. Ramona could actually visualize Vicky running her hands through her hair, turning it into the spiky mess it was whenever she was frustrated. Okay, here's the thing. I actually know how to make magical storage, which takes no space in the real world and only needs a non-magical interface to connect with the real world, and I can make that too. But I have to know the math of how those storage tiles work to replicate them so the boys' club can move in. Is there any chance there might be a mathematical model or a schematic or something that I can study that might have survived somewhere? Do you guys put mini-libraries of all the important stuff on the ships? Did you upload stuff to the Echo computers that only you can unlock? Can you throw me a bone? The ships do retain duplicates of critical supplies, so you could salvage the materials themselves that are used for the storage devices. Uh, with respect to the mathematical model... Tesla trailed off in thoughtful hum as Mercury stood and began pacing the bunker. It uh, is not something that the medicines would have left to be easily accessed. The theory behind it is not difficult to decode, given that we assisted in the later modifications, but it would take uh, time. Not months, but at least a few days to properly outline given a moderate understanding of mathematics, Marconi apologized. This is uh, hardly a child's course in multivariate calculus, you see. And Vicky's probably the smartest person in Echo who can pick this apart and make it work without being distracted, Ramona reminded them. Hold that thought and get ready to open the bunker door for me. I'm jetpacking over to give the gruesome twosome a direct interface from your heads to my computers. That way, they'll be able to type at me and give me the child's garden of interdimensional math and physics without having to talk in your heads. Mercury managed a disappointed frown, but stationed himself near the door. A few rotations of the wheel, and the heavy door slid a few feet to the side. Vicky shrugged off the jetpack and left it near the entrance. Dressed from neck to toes in her trademark black garb, she withdrew a small but armored laptop computer from her bag. "'Gentlemen, let's get started. This is your first student.' she said, patting the case. Think of me as your teaching assistant, poking and prodding it to learn everything that you want it to know. Everything? Tesla sounded both skeptical and impressed, something that rarely happened. Are you certain? Math and physics don't take up a lot of storage. It's applied math and physics, 
applied to the real world, that is, that does. Vicky's hair was already a mess from the flight over. Once again, she ran her hands through it, transforming it from messy to apocalyptic mohawk. I have a friend coming over from the UK. He's too theoretical mathematic what I am to applied. Once we've got the theory, I can apply it. She stepped over to Ramona and sketched some rapid symbols on her forehead. Ramona did her best not to wince, but she couldn't stop her skin from responding. Vicky stepped back. Whoa. That looks like the most death metal tattoos ever. <laughs> okay, Mr. Tesla, pretend you're typing. Don't think at Ramona. Just visualize your own hands typing on that keyboard. As you wish, Miss Victrix. Tesla began typing immediately. His notes were neat and progressed in a series of numbered steps. Of course, we'll have to make a few corrections here and there, but you will have everything available to us. Ramona tried to watch, but it gave her a headache. The man knew so much about so much, it was dizzying. Houston, we have a liftoff. Bonus. I thought I'd have to go through some trial and error first. I made that shit up flying over. Vicky pulled out a second laptop and set it up next to the first, then crooked a finger at Merck. Come here, big boy, and stop pouting. You'll get to watch. Mercury shuffled obediently over to her, and she sketched the same invisible symbols on his forehead that she had on Ramona's. Except they weren't invisible. They glowed for just a second or so before fading. Your turn, uh, Signore Marconi. Visualize yourself typing. You can see Mr. Tesla's work, so... I don't know, compliment it, add to it, repeat it, whatever is most intuitive for you. Just make sure I get it all. I don't care how much is duplicated. Nearly a minute passed without anything appearing on the screen, but a flurry of numbers, symbols, and abbreviated notes in English and Italian started to fill the empty space. It started to scroll slowly, space opening to allow for diagrams and charts alongside the equations. Whew, Vicky sighed, now plastering her hair flat with both hands. For once, Heisenberg came down on our side. This is going to provide two things. One, it's going to give me and Paul the math. Two, the more Tweedle Smart and Tweedle Smarter concentrate on this stuff, and interfacing outside your head, the more they'll separate from you two again. This'll buy us time for Habitat for Inhumanity to construct the new genius manse. Cool. Mercury stretched out in front of Marconi's laptop, watching the equations like some kids would have watched Saturday morning cartoons. So... Now we just... wait? Ramona felt herself starting to doze off as Vicky settled herself in front of the machine, transcribing the notes. Yep. Hurry up and wait. You've been listening to 
The Secret World Chronicle, written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jaguer. Narration and production by Veronica Jaguer at VoicesByVeronica.com. Quality review and production assistance by Laura Nicole at ResonantMoon.com. Music by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. The Secret World Chronicle podcast novel series is released under a Creative Commons Attribution No Derivatives 4.0 license. For previous episodes, check out secretworldchronicle.com. The Secret World Chronicle is published by the fantastic people at Bayon Books. Find fellow SWC fans on the Facebook group at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Secret World Chronicle. And as always, thank you for listening.